Mein Schaf. Yes, yes, yes. Tell the story about how you came okay. to film with us. FPV just puts the skier in like a perspective that can really relate to the viewer. You, you kind of, the skiing looks as crazy as it is. Welcome everybody back to the Passion Report. Today we got Par Hogland, Magnus Grenier, Emil Grambaum, and myself, Alex Hackle, and we're going to do a little bunch podcast, talk about the new movie, Census, some early day story. Without further ado, let's get Meeks to take us away. Oh, way out, no way then. Yeah, hard body, hard body. Car to car to car. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Shouts out Meeks. Shout so, out Meeks. Before we get into the bunch story here, where are we at right now? What are we doing? We are currently in Engelberg, Switzerland right now. Uh, we're doing our annual working holiday. Little December treat. Get the skis uh, under us and stay here at this amazing launch in Engelberg. Um, yeah, it's major, major, dream. major shout out to Ski Launch Engelberg. Yeah, yeah they, they, they have provided so much for the culture in Engelberg. Like they brought in so many people to come stay here and I feel like they're showing ski movies. Yeah, showing ski movies. Like I feel like they're a big part in the free ride culture here in Engelberg. Like that, that they're maybe the foundational reason why everyone or a lot of people know about free riding in Engelberg. So Ski Lodge is getting a shout out. Are they getting air horns or roos? Which one are they getting? Air horns. Air horns. That one's for you, Engelberg. <laughs> Major shouts out, Ski Watch Engelberg. If you're trying to get some of that Alp powder, hit skiwatch.com or skiwatchengelberg.com. Let's get into this here. So the bunch can uh, can Magnus apart. Can you guys tell me a little bit about how the bunch started and just some backstory about the bunch? Yeah, baby, you take it away. <laughs> uh, this is a common question, right? Yeah. yeah. This is a this is a funny question because like every time any of us have ever done an interview, everyone's been like, "Who are the bunch and how did it start?" And we never want to say it. <laughs> we never want to say it because we're like we're we've always been ranging from like five to thirty-five people, and we never want to like say who's in it because it's like it's a it's a bigger thing. Definitely, but I didn't ask you who was in it. I asked you <laughs> how did it start? <laughs> how did it start? It started in uh, high school in Kiruna, where me, Magnus, Jane Ella. LSM, Linus Thornberg, Gustav Kavalin. Hill? No. Mm -hmm. But he joined in there, for sure. And then BMAC came to visit. Poyman. Toyman came to visit. A lot of people came to visit already in Kiruna. So we were like 10 people deep the first year, I think. So it basically was a high school like friend group. Yeah, for sure. And we had the major shout outs to Humpa as well, who made the first uh, ever edit. He was filming in, filming and editing. So how did the name The Bunch first start? Because you guys were Humpy, Humpy Films <laughs> at the beginning. Humpy Film. Um, well, I think, I, I, I don't remember exactly how it started, but I remember like 
So we started with Hump the Film and we were on freeway.se and we we're getting a lot of love on there. And uh, then we went to US and we kind of started getting some traction in US and we were like, we need like a new name. <laughs> like we can't be Humpy Film. <laughs> uh, although like Humpy Film is super sick. You know, that's the foundation. But um, I just, we had uh, like a Google Meet or something. I remember we, I was on, everyone's online. Like we had like a early age Google Meet or something. And, and uh, we were just discussing name and the bunch came up. Yeah. And we were like, that's what we are. Yeah. The bunch. It was a super good name. Like in hindsight, yeah. I think you guys nailed it. And then what comes Street Smart, the first official bunch at it. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Um, it's a funny story how you start riding streets, right? Because you had a really good slope. Or you had a slope. Yeah, we had a really bad slope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a really bad slope. Uh, like the conditions in the... Because we... We're supposed to like do a lot of slope style training and stuff at school, but then the park was really, really bad. And it, and it didn't make any snow in the park? It was like a big, uh, you know, classic, the city, like, uh, in fights with whoever runs the ski hill and like whose money is supposed to be used, blah, 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 blah. And there was a lot of shit going back and forth and then it like the park never really popped off so we just went street skiing instead definitely i think you need to educate some of these viewers tell them about what what's life in kiruna sweden where is it geographically located give them some background here yeah so it's the northernmost city of sweden it's about four hours north of the polar circle so you have a lot of darkness in you know the fall a lot early winter like you would go to school it's dark you, you you're in school for a couple hours you come out and it's dark again so you basically never you never see the light and you need to eat a lot of uh, vitamin d to stay healthy and sane up there and then spring comes around and it gets crazy light and you know light 24 7 it's a huge mining town it's like the biggest income source of all of Sweden is that mine. Everyone just kind of goes directly working in the mine, make tons of money, work for one week, go to Thailand for one week. You know, they have boat, they have scooters, freaking cars, snowmobiles. Yeah, they have scooters too, probably. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, kind of like, maybe not hill. It's a mix. It's like it's a little bit. It's, it's a little it's like mining people working in the mine, and then also people loving nature. And it's kind of a fun. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Because either like there's two reasons to live there. Either you live there because you love the nature and the mountains that are close, or you live there because you love snowmobiling, cars, and making money. <laughs> <laughs> so how did all these freestyle skiers end up there? So the. Through the Swedish uh, like new schoolers, freeride.se, there was an uh, application form for this school. And I think pretty much all of us applied for another school, the one in Kleppen, where everyone goes to, like Monung. And no one uh, like got into that school because there wasn't a national, you know, you couldn't apply from anywhere in the country. You had to be from that region. And then this school popped up out of nowhere, and we all applied. Uh, you didn't know each other before that, right? 
Uh, not really. We I've met I had met some of the guys before. We had never met, but I hadn't met anyone. I think. So you pl you everyone's applied uh, applied to the school not knowing each other. Yeah, and and no one really knew that we were going to study at the space uh, <laughs> high school as well. Yeah, tell them about what you specifically studied when you were at school. Space science. It wasn't really, it was like, it was a technical, technical high school with like aimed towards space uh, engineering. So if you want to do like space engineering stuff after high school, that's where you go pretty much. We did like astronomy, uh, astronaut knowledge. We did robotics, like programming, all math courses that you can do as a high school student. Fish, all the physics, like chem all the chemistry you can do. So it's a. Uh, it was uh, a lot more school than a lot of people was uh, trying yeah, to do. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel? Did that affect your skiing at all? Like studying space engineering, kind of. Not. I mean, we skied a lot. We had quite all right grades first year, then a little bit worse in the second year, and the third year was more about just clearing all the courses, like clear a course, or at least for me, and I think for a lot of us, like just clear the course, ski as much as possible. So a group of freestyle skiers goes up, you're pretty much as far north as you can possibly get. It's complete darkness. You guys are studying space engineering and the cast of characters is like in hindsight, like insane. Like Lucas Dahl Madison, Payben, Ski Man Guy, Jens Nielsen, Linus Tollenberg. And how does it come from kind of this eclectic gang of people who don't know each other? You guys become friends. You guys switch from Humphrey to the bunch. And then now you are going out to create Far Out. Like sort of what was that process of deciding to make your first film? I think it w it wasn't even really a decision, or like it. It. I mean, we we commit. We it was definitely like a, prior to starting filming the film, we said that this year we're making a film. Yeah. So. Because we were, it was our first year out of high school, and we were like, we had done the street smart, which was this ten minute street video, was which was our first video. We, and then we kind of just saw that there was something, we had something unique and we already had gotten the cookies to, to realize that this is, is, is uh, something we should commit our attention and energy to. And so we started filming. Nice and break down uh, the, the first year. What was any good uh, early stories from filming Far Out? I don't remember a lot. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember a lot from any of the first five years. I think, but uh, yeah, we went to far out. Wait, far out. I'm trying to remember what spot, like what parts were in far out. We started in Kiruna in the early season. Yeah, like it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy living in Kiruna. Because now, like, we, we went to Kiruna this year. Like, we've been to Kiruna almost every year since we quit school to hit street. Like, in you can hit street in October sometimes. 
So it's crazy. You can just go there and start your street filming season way before anyone else. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this year in September that Kieran got like two feet of snow. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, if I was filming a real ski, I'd be so gassed up right now. Because there's no other place in the world like that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you've been there plenty of times too. I love Kieran. Big, big, big rouge for Kieran. Oh, 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 oh. I'm telling you, Kieran has four being such a small city in the middle of nowhere, Sweden, kind of amazing food. I mean, they have like unproportionally good food. Best pizza of my life, Minna's <laughs> Horna. Uh, Arctic Thai. Then they got that like crazy, like. Steak. The, yeah. Steak place, the reindeer steak. Is that a tent? Yeah. Mm. So they have some like food truck in Kiruna that's gotten such good Yelp reviews that uh, like people fly from like Asia just to go eat at this uh, this food truck in Kiruna. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's like a food truck with a teepee outside. And no. they have people from Japan like calling for New Year's Eve, like, can we see your wine list? <laughs> And they're like, we're a food truck with a teepee outside a gas station. <laughs> Definitely. But I feel like Kierna, when I when I went to Kierna, I kind of felt like, okay, I could understand like how this place led to the bunch. Because in some ways, there's so much snow. It's this crazy culture, a little bit hillbilly, a lot of time on your hands. And I feel like you guys had to like get creative because like the, the park there at the time wasn't being like well run so basically here you have like a whole bunch of talented teenagers very little adult supervision and a lot of snow and then basically like what came of that is kind of like a new type of skiing i would say but then i also feel like what i was uh, really impressed by was like the camaraderie that everybody had like that when i went and i started skiing with you guys just like how much everybody cheered each other on and how much everybody supported uh the style of skiing that that person wanted to do like there was really like a, a wide uh, wide group of skiers in the bunch and that everybody was like so supportive of each other. Yeah, it, it's definitely unique when you kind of like the bunch wouldn't have been what it is without Kieran, I think, because if you would have went to Clefton and Malling and started, you know, hitting the big jumps and having like a coach like Rola, like we probably would have, it's, it's at that age too, like you're so adaptable, like you would I for sure think I would have just adapted to slopes asking. So and I wouldn't have done anything because I didn't have any tricks. So if I would have gone to Malung, I don't think I would have been a professional skier at all, probably. Most likely you would have ended up as a professional skier, I think. So we have gone to Malung, this place that... No, you're not Yeah, yeah, plug a bit. What, what do you Ooh. think? What would happen if... All the people in the bunch went to Maldon. What do you think would happen? Kind of the same, but definitely a little bit less street spots and more big jumps. Because <laughs> they're, yeah, it's mostly just jumps and a really good park all the time. But they would definitely end up in the same gang making ski movies. Definitely. So what was like the, the breakout moment for you guys? Because you guys were telling me a bit like, okay, so you're basically, I can only imagine what it's like, like growing up in Sweden, being in the Arctic Circle, and then like going on new schoolers, you're seeing like all these, like at that time, the ski industry was so American based. It was like Breckenridge this, Park City this, Whistler this, whatever. And so you guys are just like in your own little corner in the Arctic Circle. And then like, what what's that feeling when like that corner of the Arctic Circle then when you go travel to America or when you first start getting attention to your videos, like what does that feel like? 
I think for me, I have I have one moment that is like for sure my when I knew, you know, and that's when Lucas went to Wendell's because mm. we were watching Wendell's like the Wendell's videos so much, like all the all the influential skiers went to Wendell's in the summer. The big and dream, then, big summer the big, dream. Yeah, the big dream. That was for me for sure, like big dream going to Wendell's, skiing in Wendell's Park. That was like the hell. That's what I want to do. And then Lucas goes there and I was like, shit, he made it. He made it. <laughs> and that like and that was also like you saw him go there and you were like, oh shit, he can do it. Then maybe I can do it too, you know? Because we were always together, everyone. So like we knew that like sooner or later all of us would go there. That we did. We spent a lot of time in Montuda <laughs> in the woods camping. Never, but it seemed like Lucas winning the Super Unknown was like the, the gateway to that. Like he made it, and then after he made it, then like you won Super Unknown. Was it the year after or the? Yeah, the year after. But also like, yeah, we started getting recognitions from some dope skiers like Mike Hornbeck, Liam Downey, and Liam Downey contact like Lucas put out this edit, and Liam like wrote him a message like, "Hey, dude, your skiing is amazing." I live in Brickridge, which we should ski together. And I shout out for doubt. And then Downey basically just came and kicked at our at our at our house like every night. And we were uh, skiing with us every day. And we were like huge fans. And and he was this kind of father figure, like showing us idea, like showing us all these sick films. Um it, you know, giving us all this inspiration basically and um i think that was i think he and he of course knew everyone and he played a huge role in like kind of the ignition of the bunch uh, for example lucas was a semi-finalist for the super unknown downy forces you make the edit or yeah, yeah 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 and then you show up there and uh this was the first like ski off kind of like super unknown and then what's the vibes there? Oh, it was crazy cool to be a part of like a big shoot like that with all like this media team and like all these dope skiers. We had a, our own park for a full week of skiing and it was kind of a chill vibe. It wasn't like everyone's kind of just having a great time and skiing. It wasn't like this, you know, I'm going to win Sopranone. Um, yeah, and I, I had no idea that I was going to win. I did not expect that whatsoever like you know sometimes you feel like oh i have a good chance but i was like just like so i don't i don't know you uh, weren't going like ski man mode on because i've seen ski man when ski man wants something and ski man skis hard as heck so you're telling me you showed up to sun valley idaho and you just chilled and once i kind of feel like that i feel like i wasn't like um, of course i tried a lot of hard shit but i wasn't like I was just, I was in, I was in control, I want to say, you know, like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for everyone watching, I highly doubt that this is uh, actually 100% true, but no, I doubt it also. Yeah, it might be 100% your truth, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think that that's super impressive. I, I always think like, for example, now with like the Jib League, it's all like rider voted and I feel like that's like the there's no faking a win there. Like you have yeah. to be such a talented skier because like you're saying like Downey, like when you've seen it all, when you're such a good skier, then you have like this like idea and knowledge of like when somebody's just like, I don't want to say like bullshitting it, but like 
a dub 12 mute you're like yeah i've seen that all the time like that might get a good score and might like help your slope run and sit out and all this stuff but when you're doing rider jet stuff it's like they know what's easy they know what's hard and they know somebody riding with a lot of confidence and not so i feel like yeah. that's such a big like accolade to have is like winning something that's like voted on by your peers yeah yeah and I f another thing with the rider voting thing I, f I always feel like that is better for people who, who do the do it a little bit differently uh or that have a lot of style like it's not about all the like w when it comes down to the, like professional skiers and they have to choose their favorite the, most nine times out of ten that's going to be like someone that's creative and stylish where they have a personality uh, so that is important for if you're trying to do that <laughs> no it's, it's good advice and i i feel that way too like when you watch somebody and they're just oozing style or doing it differently like they stand out so much more and then when you're at that level where everyone's so good then that's like what makes like a huge difference so yeah my next question is to par so now lucas is once super unknown one of your best friends high school kind of like roommates then magnus has uh, now one super unknown. What's going through your head when all this is happening? I don't know really. I can't remember. I like I have such a hard time piecing together like the timelines of when everything happened, kind of. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like I lived with Lucas first year in Kiruna. Like we were everyone like Magnus too. We were spending so much time together. So it was like proper like someone in the family like doing something really good you know and uh oh it really got me fired up for sure but it's pretty funny because my first uh <laughs> I, I i don't know if you can use this but like my first experience with level one then happens because lucas sig uh like sigbjorn fate and um uh, I always yeah, I keep forgetting his name. Pretty he was no. Shay William or Shay. Uh, uh, yeah, you know he. It was we were there were three people. Not Shay Williams. Shay Lee. Yeah. Shay Lee. Yeah. Shay yeah. Lee. Shay Lee. Siegbjorn Fate and Lucas and Friedel goes to Rick's grandson, and I just joined them. I was there with uh, I was there with Nils Gunnarsson. We lived in a tent. <laughs> Me and Nils Gunnarsson on our own. Shout out to Nils Gunnarsson. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And filmed the... Um, that's the... Yeah, that's the finesse year. We were filming the train tunnel, fakey tail press thing and those shots. Uh, I, was, I was such a heater. Can we... A little... Oh, way out! No way there! <laughs> that's when it started, boys and girls. Yeah, but then... So then I jo just joined up with those guys... Uh, like Friedel and Lucas and Sigbjörn and Shay, and we go out filming, and I just remember we did a QP, and I I was trying to do like an alley oop, alley oop three stale, uh, and then bring it back to regs, and I was trying it so many times, and I finally got it. So I did like alley oop, like tweaking the stale fish like past 180 to almost three, and then back to regs, and I got it, and I was so hyped. And then the movie comes out, and I have Ender in the level one movie. Like, this one last shot, and it's the 360, not the 180. And I was like, bro, come on. <laughs> I get Ender in the movie, and it's not even the shot I made. 
And that was my first experience, like with Living Well. I don't know. But that 360 was fire. Yeah, I mean, as yeah it well. was nice, but it wasn't the shot, you know. No, I you know when yeah, you're struggling yeah. for so long to get a shot, and then you get it, and then it's the ender of the movie, and I see it, and I'm like, Oh no! <laughs> I, I thought that too. Yeah, like, first you're like, like, bring it yes, back. Yes, 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 no, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought for sure you were bringing it back, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was like still sick, and but yeah, then that was like crazy because. You have Lucas filming with level one. You have Magnus filming level one. And then all of a sudden, you got your foot in the door <laughs> there and get Ender. And then it kind of was like, that was like, then you guys dropped Finesse. And then it was almost like the takeover. Like, I feel like Finesse was like when all that momentum just like hit, where like you guys are not only just doing like bunch films and like that was the same year you filmed Less. I tell people all the time, Less, Magnus is part of Less, like changed my mind on skiing. And like, I was so inspired by it. And that's when I feel like, just like the absolute takeover of like, these dudes are doing it on such a dope level. And like Jens, at this point, Jens is also like crushing it. The Chiefs, Linus, like, I mean, you guys are just like this heavy hitting crew coming out of what seemingly is nowhere. And then you're putting together these films and like, I feel like the first trilogy was like about as uh, as real as it got, like just like such a, a crazy docu like documentary of your guys' skiing talent, you guys traveling and sort of just like, a real like three pieces for the culture right there yeah and i think too like that like that experience because i feel like a lot of people that because all of us were so into like filmmaking as well like we edited our own shit like doing all of that stuff and then like filming with another company and just like not having full control of, over your shots like i think it was super important for us that we did that because that just like made us realize how important it is to to like have control over your shots like this is how what i was thinking when i was doing it and then you also have to have that like next step in the process kind of definitely because you guys edited or you guys filmed and edited like all your own parts for like pretty much the whole trilogy right yeah yeah jens took over a lot on last one Benito. yeah he I feel like far out we did our own parts then Jens did this interlude things that really matched it together really cool uh, uh, Finesse was I think everyone just did their own part and, and that year we were like maximum two minutes only heaters short film and uh, and then Sinita was more just like we just then we had made those two and we were like we're now like you know, 16, 20 people deep crew, like everyone just come, we're gonna film from, you know, November to May. We're gonna stack as many clips as we possibly can. And we also, that's when we first time, we kind of thought of more of a diff, or like we had prior to the film, we had some sort of loose subjects that we wanted to capture. Like there was like the happy poor part, there was the sad rich part, there was the foot part. There was. Uh, I love the sad, rich, and happy poor parts. <laughs> and there was the people watching part. There was there was all these different concepts that we kind of filmed for the whole season. And we had sixteen thousand labeled shots. Every single session, everyone, someone was labeling a shot. We had so when you were searching like old woman walking, you had like fourteen clips come up. Like oh, perfect. Uh, yes, I need that one for my part. And then birds flying, like, okay, perfect, this one. 
it was crazy. crazy. It was crazy. Dev and uh, yeah, Fanito is, is such a crazy thing. But I just remember the, the what I think is like most admirable was your guys' vibes. Because I was on like one trip in Boston. I was I was hurt that year, and like yeah, you guys at that point, you guys had a whole like friend group over in America, and like your vibe was like yeah, everyone come. Like, I feel like when people start to get like hype, it would be so easy for you guys to like have like been like oh okay, it's just the Kiruna boys or just the Swedish boys or. Just to this, just to that. But I feel like you guys basically just were like, yeah, we're doing it huge. Anybody who's coming on this trip, like, you have the chance to get a shot. If the shot's good, it's going in the movie. Like, that's, like, period, the end. And I feel like that's, like, way different than how so many other crews did it. Yeah. True. Yeah, the most inviting crew. <laughs> okay. And then uh, from Grant Bonius's perspective... When, what would you say, like, when you were, like, watching the edits at home, kind of like me at this point, like, what would you say was, like, the breakout moment uh, of the bunch where you were, like, okay, fuck, like, this is crazy? Mm, first recognition of uh, Magnus was that I think we both got nominated for, like, Rookie of the Year 2000-something. You, how old were you then? Wow. 13. <laughs> 2013. Yeah, and I was... You must have been, like, six years old. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 12. Uh, no. 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, rookie of the year, 12 years old. No, I can't. No, no, I can't be 12. It must have been like 16, and then you. Yeah. It must have been 19. Something. Like yeah, we're pr pretty much the same age. And then I was like, who is this kid? Like, he won rookie of the year. And then yeah, I started watching all the movies, and you've been role models since the first. There are a lot. Of, I mean, there's like 14 years of good stories <laughs> yeah, with know, that, a group of 30 people. There's a lot. There's a lot to be told. Yeah, <laughs> we can just. But I want to. I, I also want to like uh, uh, tell the story about how you oh, came yeah. to film with us. Let's hear it. Because you were. I mean, you already filmed a little bit with us, like in Hood and stuff, I guess. And then we did the interpretation. And I was hurt. I broke my collarbone, and then like I watched the movie, and it was like interpretation. Puncture your lung, as well. Yeah, that was that year. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I was hurt, and then I just watched that movie, and I was like, "Fuck, this is the best movie I've ever seen," and I barely had any shots in it. And then I was next season. I was like, "Okay, we're making a movie," and everyone's so burnt out from last season. <laughs> And I keep calling everyone, and they're like, nope, I'm not in, I'm not in, I'm out, I'm not doing another movie this year. I'm like, fuck, I need to make a movie. And then Magnus says, you should just call up Hackle, he's probably keen. <laughs> and then I remember, I was at, it was at your parents' house, and I yeah. just called you up, and I was like, you want to come to Sweden and make a movie? <laughs> and we barely hung out before that. Yeah, the rest was history after that. But yeah, I remember, like, we met like one time in the tent at Rick's and I think we said like two words. Like I was like, who is this guy? Like he's just like, I don't know, maybe he's a bit shy, maybe he doesn't like me. Uh, but I was in the same situation. Like I just filmed Eat the Guts, a two-year project and uh, all the people in that film uh, were just burnt out as well. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing anything this year. And I'm like, wait, but we just got started guys. Like what the heck? And then I also watched uh, Interpretation in Annecy and I was like, oh my God, this is like the best film I've ever seen. Like it was, so so sick to watch and i was so inspired and then i was like okay like 
I'm going to get the nerve. I'm going to call up Magnus. I'm going to invite myself to go <laughs> film on a bunch film. And then I called up Magnus. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But talk to Bar. <laughs> and then he did that to you. And then I remember I, I get the nerve to call you up. I'm in my like uh, parents' house. I'm pacing back and forth in the bathroom talking to you. And you're like, yeah, book your plane ticket December 6th or something. And then pretty much uh, the rest was history after that. And then it was you and me in the blue band for a whole season, pretty much. Definitely. Color was is insane. That, is that when you learn how to drive stick, too? Is that yeah. you kind of just threw Hackle in our Volkswagen? Like, because you couldn't fit in the place you were staying or something? You were kind of filming on a level one no, part? No, this is you, oh. fam. So you were supposed to it, you were supposed to film, and we were supposed to go on a street trip while uh, they were oh, filming is... a level one part. But then you hurt yourself. And you hurt oh, yourself, right. and then you like brought me over to Onschrotsvik, and then you basically like, yeah, my train goes in an hour, and you need this car to go meet up with Freddie Graham to film, <laughs> who lives two hours away in Kramfors, <laughs> and I have to teach you how to drive stick. <laughs> and then I basically you taught me one hour to drive stick in a huge ass Volkswagen van, extra long, extra long, <laughs> and like there's all these like new like road rules in Swedish, like the right rule or something where you give away on a certain blah, 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 blah. The next, you know, hour later, I can hardly drive a stick. I have this huge ass van. I have to commute an hour and a half every day to Kramfors. And uh, yeah, but I got good at driving stick because of that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, just hilarious getting updates from you, just mobbing over to Kramfors with Freddie Graham that you had never met before either, trying to film in this abandoned hospital or something like you, you just basically came to sweden i got hurt they were doing something else i was like hmm freddie grant is doing something okay hackle here's the van freddie's right there just like and you're just here in sweden with like new, didn't know anything about it didn't know how to drive a stick didn't like it's just like <laughs> absolutely getting after it definitely no that was that was super sick i remember i did get some like tricks for color on that like on my own solo mission, like that hand plant 270 to like tiny like barrier. That was like me yeah. and Freddie Grant and Nikki Kiefer, like because Nikki Kiefer started yeah. dating the Swedish girl who happened to be from the same small town we were in. And then I like rallied the troops and did the switch tails for on that like down flat down. So I was like, I was driven. Yeah, you had your own car, you had your camera, you, you knew what you were going to You were out to stack and you were going to say, Freddie, Nikki, Maya, we're going stacking. <laughs> I'm putting. I'm in Sweden. Oh, yeah. I'm putting together my own crew. We're stacking with a new bunch film. Definitely. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you no, know, it was crazy. Also, we were sleeping. That's like, what. That's what we were filming with Kim and Kim, Kim and Oliver. Oliver from, yeah. yeah, with Bjorn. Yeah. And that's when you filmed uh, the level one uh, part. That one, like, you won like best male skier of the year. You won all that stuff filming for that part. And yeah. That was a good year. That was a good year. When we were <laughs> sleeping three people to a bed in that Airbnb, like, I remember it was me, you, and, like, it would be, like, one person, like, head, one person feet, one person <laughs> head, and it was, like, a queen-sized bed or something, so it was, like, uh, but that's, I think, like, the inviting vibe of the bunch was, like, you guys basically just were, like, yeah, have fun. We're sharing beds. Here here's go. the like, car. Yeah, here's my bed. There's a space in the bed. Here's a car. And Magnus is like a, he's like a cook. Like, But his ingredients are like people. Like he matched me and part up. We make color. And then like really good at like connecting people. And I remember I just had so much fun that year. And like just discovering Sweden and discovering just so much cool stuff. And it was really nice like skiing with Par. And then we went and we had this 
epic trip trip to Kiros, Russia, to end it all. And that trip, I don't know how much we can talk talk about that trip, but that trip was like probably the best trip of my life to this day. Yeah, that was crazy good trip. That was uh, who else? Meeks was on that trip too. Meeks, Lauri, Kavari. Lauri, yeah. That's when I realized Lauri went to the Olympics as well. I was like, that was so because Lauri is like the stylist street skier ever, and just like does all this funky stuff. I'd never seen him do. Like any jump tricks, because I didn't really know the guy, and then I just start talking to him, and as we start talking about Russia, and he's like, "Yeah, I've been to Russia once," and I was like, "Where did you go?" And he's like, "I went to Sochi," and I was like, "Why? Why did you go to Sochi?" And he was like, "It was during the Olympics." And I was like, "Yeah, but why were you there?" <laughs> 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 and then he goes, "I was in it." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit! I had no idea." <laughs> Didn't he, he did, did like some super switched sick, up back in switched up back flip, he did a crazy dope line like that's yeah major oh, shouts. Oh, 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 yeah, he was like oh. a crazy you know new wave skier, but then he also had this insane like yes. finish, freaking tricks. His finish, that's yeah. what it is. His finish, <laughs> definitely. And I love uh, some of my favorite street parts are his like quiche. Line. Yeah, I mean his, it was when we met him. Wait, no, this is another trip, actually, but yeah, we got to spend a lot of time with him because we were trying to go to Russia another time, but we couldn't cross the border because we didn't have the right papers and whatnot. So we sp- spent like a week at his house and it was so nice. He would he would like wake up every morning, like drink like a freaking couple gallons of coffee <laughs> or like a, a lot of coffee. <laughs> and then he would just listen to music on spot like YouTube, like f- trying to find the song for the next edit or something or something to hype it up just like super mellow guy but like in his head he's like the most passionate street skier like the most passionate skier the, uh, he has some like fire in him like yeah he's like so mellow on the outside but inside it's like just he had this you could see that he had a vision yeah he definitely did some stuff in kirovsky that i was that made me scared like watching him like yeah i'm gonna do this and Shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that trip was so epic because you have like Lauri, like just self-spoken Finnish guy. You have you two. You guys have been there before on a different like uh, trip and kind of like, had some experience. And you have like me and Meeks, like these two Americans who are like so afraid of Russia because of all the stuff that we've seen on TV as like a kid and in American culture. And then you just have like basically the obnoxious Americans you know, the soft-spoken, Lowry, and then we just had, like, a huge blast. And it was, like, at the end of May. Like, it was after Kimbo Sessions. So we all go to Kimbo Sessions, and then we basically, like, pick up the winch, and it's, like, summer. Like, it's it's totally yeah not street skiing season. And then we drive the car so far north, and it was, like, what, like, 20 hours or something? And we get to Murmansk, Russia, and then you drive three hours past that. And then, like, you just see snow, like, the last, like, 10 minutes of the drive. Like, it was absolutely insane. And uh, we, like, were there for, like, two weeks. And I think I filmed, like, my ender on, like, May 20th or something. Like, it was, like, absolutely insane. Was that the the year you got hit by a paraglider? That was the year I got hit by a paraglider. <laughs> that paraglider story is insane, and we're telling it right now. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I was supposed to be driving with with the boys to um to russia but because of some uh visa situation i was like i had to leave uh the eu yeah that like 
I was like at my last day and we had to leave the EU. And then you have to like have all this like car registration to drive a car into Russia from the EU. And like somebody thought that they didn't know where the registration was. And then it like slowed up somebody like a couple hours. And because they got slowed up a couple hours, it was the difference between we were able to make it past the border on like my last day of my visa. I, or... I remember it th- I, I, I remember this differently, but... I remember we were sitting in Harnefort, at least, and I thought we were just going to leave the other day, we're going to Russia, but we're there at the night in Harnefort, and you're looking up your visa stuff, and you're like, I have 12 hours to get out of, like, the Schengen zone or something, and, and you disc- and you ha- you had to, like, you had cal- calculated your days wrong, and, and you had to do a panic exit in order to make That's it That's actually how I remember it, too. <laughs> so I, that, that is half the truth. Half the truth, yes. But the thing was that we were supposed to be able to, like, if everything went to plan, we were going to be fine. But it was because we couldn't find the registration to our oh, blue okay. van in time that then it delayed you. So then you had to, like, fly instead of take oh, the yeah, train. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a situation where I was going to be all good. Mm. But then... I had to wait in Stockholm for the paper or pick up the papers or something and then fly. But it was hilarious because we were all going to drive, I thought. And when I, and when I, so I fly to Umeå where the car is and you guys come to the airport and it went, just when I'm getting into the van, you're getting out. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then you're just like, I, I'm leaving now. Like I'm getting, getting on a plane flying into Russia right now. Exactly. So I, I have to fly there. So I'm, I fly from like Umeå to like Stockholm to Helsinki to Moscow and then I hang out like overnight at like some random like airport hotel in Moscow and then I get on the flight from Moscow to Murmansk and then I like just have like a travel day from like all hell. So I like show Murmansk and then I get like this crazy security check when I like land in Murmansk like where these like security guards in Russia basically like right as I'm about to like walk out the doors, they're just like, come with me. And then like we walk like four football fields like outside of the airport. And I'm like, where the heck are they taking me? And then they like turn back into the airport into like this crazy room. And then they start like putting things in my number, like putting numbers in my phone to like get like special codes. And I was like, oh my God, what the heck is happening? And then they're like grilling me about what I'm doing up there. And then they finally let me go like, and then I get picked up by, what's that good homie? Uh, um, I'm so bad with names, I can't remember his name. Uh, Misha. Misha, Misha, yeah. huge air horn. Yeah, big shout out Misha. So he picks me up, I land at like 9 a.m. He cooks me like a Russian breakfast, like some eggs, some like <laughs> bacon. The apartment he was staying at was like insane. Like I've never seen, the apartment was so nice, but like the, entryway in the corridors like nobody had cleaned that thing for like 30 years yeah. and everything is just like looks the exact same and then they put me on a bus like a random bus i don't even know where to get off like i don't you can't pronounce anything in russian so they just he just puts me on a bus and i'm going and the whole time i'm not seeing snow and i'm gonna come like three hours before you guys so i'm just like what the heck's going on is this some like weird weird prank like am i just gonna show up <laughs> and i'm in the middle of nowhere russia and, like they're just gonna decide like oh there's no snow we're not coming uh so i was just like a little like spooked and then i get there and then that good homie i i forget what his name is too the the jibber some jibber homie. uh arkady yeah no arkady's good homie 
I can't remember who that was. I can't remember him, but he's a huge, I think he might be flat, but I don't want to say his name's flat because that sounds like super stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> so he picks me up and the first thing he says to me is, I watched your part and eat the guts. It's super good. <laughs> <laughs> so like he, he, and then he's like, I'm going to take you to the best restaurant in town, kebab. <laughs> so he takes me, I get in his car, he's complimented my one street part I've created. I'm like, whoa, okay, things are turning around. And then we get kebab to go, and then we go to this patio, and then we're like having a kebab, like having a good time on this patio. Outside, right? Outside. And I'm like, the boys, they're coming. They're coming, just four hours chill with the, the Russian homies. Can do you put the? Can you put the? You should put the clip in. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll find the clip. <laughs> put the clip. And then so I'm just chilling there, and I'm just like waiting. And then like I was like, there's so many like paragliders, like they're everywhere. And then like, there's basically only that one homie that can speak English. So I'm just at this table with these Russians, and we're just like hand gesturing, communicating. Maybe they're like one word of English, and I'm just trying to like just not like stick out as much as humanly possible. And we like point up to the sky. And then we point at the table and then we just start laughing. Like how funny it would be if like one of these people like landed on us. Like it was just like, we weren't even thinking it was like humanly possible. And then I'm like sitting there, I'm at the table. And then freaking some dude just goes to me. He's like, you want to know why I can tell that you're not Russian? And I'm like thinking to myself, like, yeah. And then I never got the answer because the whole table is just like, <laughs> there's just like this impact that I get shot back out of nowhere. Like it was like something exploded. Like, cause I just get shot back. The table lands on my knee, uh, lands on this other homie's knee. And I'm just like, what the heck just happened? Cause where the, it was out of nowhere. And then I like get up and I'm like, dude, I just hurt my knee. Like, did I really just come to Russia, the ski street? And I just hurt my knee. And then I look and there's a dude, like a paraglider stuck underneath the picnic table. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my god like nobody's gonna believe this like what the heck just happened and i'm just like trying my best i'm like don't be don't be that crazy american don't make a scene so i just said like nothing like, I, just, like, I just like like limped off my knee and I'm like uh. and then like the whole thing happened and that dude like apparently i don't know it's like some like rookie or whatever and then he like apologized and then he like left and then we like get back but i'm just like, what the, what the heck and then i call you guys I'm like when are you guys getting here like can you get here any quicker because <laughs> i was just like the the first like three hours in russia i've been like i had this crazy like intervention with the border patrol and then i'm like on this super like local buzz i can't understand anything don't know where to get off and then next you know i get hit by a paraglider i'm like this is just too much for my first three hours yeah it was crazy and then we meet like we get into like a supermarket or something and you show up there and the first that's like the first interaction in russia when we get there with you you're like you're never gonna believe what happened to me and then like you tell this story and we're like sounds crazy like it's you like it's hard to believe it like when you tell the story it's like a paraglider landed on your table when you're eating a kebab and like on the patio it's like that doesn't happen no and we're like, yeah, like, kind of, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it was so hard to believe. Yeah, well, I was just sitting there, and for some reason, somebody filmed this whole thing and then uploaded it to the Russian, like, Facebook VK or something. Yeah. And then, like, three days later, you that... show, you can't, you're, like, on your phone, and you're like, I got the shot! <laughs> I got the shot! Definitely, because like if, if we didn't have the shot, you would all be like, Alex is just being his dramatic self yeah, right now. Like, 
a story that like never would have really stuck to my head. No, no, like, no. And I really have. Felt I like would have gone to my grave knowing <laughs> that a paraglider landed on my table and rushed. Like, I mean, the whole thing was so effed. And like to just hold all that information without anybody, just me and like five random Russians are the only people that know that this happened in the entire world. Like, I don't. So I was so gassed when I got the shot. And uh, then we made like Swedish news and they misrepresented me. They said that I was like in the Alps enjoying like a <laughs> yeah. super luxurious like après ski. And I'm like, that was so far from the truth of what's happening. <laughs> uh, it's so funny to think about like what they thought that whole scene was and what it was <laughs> actually like. This lonely American in Russia, in like in nowhere, waiting for his Swedish homies to show up. Okay, so let's talk. <laughs> A bit about the the new movie that you guys just released, uh, Census. Magic movie. Magic. Yeah. Freaking uh, masterpiece by uh, Jane Illa. Um, yeah, yeah, this vision. Yeah. <coughs> so, oh. kind of, how did the how did the vision come about for this? Well, me and Emil were talking a lot about FPV filming, uh, and we lived together in Aura. We were just seeing the potential of FPV filming, uh, and uh, you you got to hang a little yeah, bit with Luke. We did. We did. I mean, we filmed from Manifest Slater with Luke, and you kind of feel like you touched the surface of like what's possible there, and just kind of FPV just puts the skier in like a perspective that can really relate to the viewer you you kind of the skiing looks as crazy as it is when you're skiing like big mountain and stuff like that so it's it's really a, a crazy cool technique that we got a hint of and then the kind of started like we gotta because i was like uh, we're not gonna do a project this year i too burnt out from mad fantasies later and then just like this urge of just need to do a project came back and we were talking a lot about it uh, and then I kind of pitched it on the bunch meeting, like, hey, we're doing a, or we want to do a project. And then Jay Nila was like, I'm, I'm down. I mean, he wanted something I want to be. And I guess like, come, or what, what do you he think? He wanted to have something to really get into. Like he, re he really wanted to dive deep in yeah. making something different. Exactly. And it's like a chance for him. He's, you know. That's the only way he does things. Yeah, like he's. <laughs> Either he dives. Deep or, yeah. or he doesn't die. He was like, l last time I saw him, I'm like, he was like, I'm, I don't know what I should do. Like, I, I cannot stop thinking about making film. And it's been such a hard process being the director of this film. But that's all I want to do. And I think that the next film that I'm doing is going to be bigger and it's going to be even harder to be the director of that film. He was kind of in this dilemma where he's like, He's so passionate about making films, but he's, it's such a huge role to be the director of such a project where you're trying to push everyone's, your own boundaries, everyone, everyone else's like, skills and everything. You're trying to like, get the best out of everybody um, to make the best film possible. And, and maybe you don't have the biggest budget, so you couldn't be like, yeah, well, here's an extra, here's an extra that. You just basically have to like find people's flame and be like get everyone to put their flames together with like a small salary and which has what is the reason why this film is so amazing because like everyone really committed towards this project with Jane Lester director but yeah 
it has been, it was a hard it's a hard process being a director i feel like <laughs> definitely major air horns Jane yeah but uh you two are the producers of the film is that correct mainly magnus i would say i have thought so what's it like? Uh, so you guys basically like, okay, we're in this meeting, we're doing this, let's go. Jens is like, I'm all in, and then you George is like, uh, okay. What's the first step? Yeah, yeah. It was first like it was just considering it was SPV because like the bunch hated the drones. We were big drone haters, like huge. As soon as you see a drone, you're like, oh, that's not an HX. That's freaking. That's whack. Turn it off. Whack style. Yeah. Then all of a sudden we're here making a 100% drone-based project, <laughs> and I feel like that speaks for the type of progress I want to make and we want to make in our skiing and life and whatnot. Like, you know, you can just be open towards things, I guess. Yeah, uh, but I think it's uh, yeah, it's I think that's funny. Like, I think it's good to be like hating on stuff as long as you're open to loving it later yeah and Jens was a big yeah. hater too because I, I think like it's a huge part of like knowing knowing what you love is also like knowing what you hate or yeah. if you know what I mean and like we've been major haters on a lot of stuff we've been sitting around watching films be going like, oh, fuck that, fuck that. we you still know? do we still sure. do for sure but then all of a sudden like we then you start doing something that you were hating on before and then you love it, then like, I think that's why, like, I think that's a good thing. That's why I always, like, when people start hating on stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's good, <laughs> you know? I do feel like you have to have opinions. And then also, I mean, like, drone technology has, like, changed significantly from yeah. when they first were introduced. And then also, I think it's sometimes not about what you do, but, like, how you do it. So I feel like I, I agree with that, like, philosophy. And I think that's, like, part of the admiration is being able to like be open and like to kind of like be able to not categorize something like it'd be so easy to just categorize fpv drone and then like think about that as like some dude doing circles around the skier but then not realizing that like that same piece of technology can basically create insane follow cams in big mountain terrain and bring the viewer to an absolutely insane like viewer point that no other technology can do oh yeah for sure yeah, and then Jens took it from that meeting. Jens kind of took on the project, and he was like, I guess inspired by the um, FPV thing to also include like more new technology um, and kind of like have that. That was kind of a foundation. Like, can we use the newest technology to make this film? And we kind of also, yeah. Um, and then they, we did our first trip to Finland where we had planned to kind of, like we had some kind of a foundation of the film, like Luke and Jens and, and me were talking about, you know, a, a, we were, Jens mainly were kind of presenting ideas and Luke kind of came with these genius ideas of how to capture shots and stuff that Jens wanted to get. Like he found the, the, the light, there's a, some crazy technology, like a light that we were filming with in the woods um and then but then we came to came we came to to finland and jens kind of showed us the whole movie pitch he was like this is what the movie we're making and it was 10 out 10 minutes 
we just kind of pitched that and we were, and the end everyone was just like sold let's fucking do this like this is fucked up we're gonna fucking this is crazy like we trust you and we're gonna commit to this vision Definitely. That is crazy to see, like, because I, I saw that pitch and then I've seen the movie and it's on another level than even that pitch. And I'm not like going to, like, give away too much. But basically somewhere in the filming, somebody goes, we need to stick this camera on this drone and fly it up as, as high as humanly possible. So that feels like we're in space. <laughs> and then when you hear that while you're filming for a ski movie, you're like, what is going on? This is going to be different. And then, when and you then see it, you're going to ski down there. Exactly. One it drops down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I knew, like, okay, this one's going to be far out. I knew that it was going to be, like, different. But then the level that it was executed on is absolutely, absolutely insane. And I feel like it's just crazy to think that 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 you guys were a group of HVX, like, loving uh, people. And then just, like, how the filming just has, like, taken a whole new level. Like, starting from, like, ground zero documenting just ski tricks. And then when you watch this film, it's, like, a full development of like passion for filmmaking and skiing together and combining everything. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's a huge strength of gens too. And I guess all of us that like having those years of just like doing HVX stuff and like not trying to push, like it's not about the gear. Cause that's like a lot of, a lot of film production, like ski production stuff, like, the people who are into filming are so into the gear that it turns into like for the filmmaker it's more about like how it looks than what it's actually telling and Jens and I think a lot of us are like the exact opposite it's like I heard Jens going so many times like ah oh, this person only thinks like this is a gimmick like a whatever camera was used uh, that's like this is just an Instagram camera blah 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 and Jens was like I don't care what, like, I want to use it because I think this is the way to create this thing, uh, you know? So it's like, yeah, I think that's really, really cool with Jens, for sure, that he's, like, not afraid to, to like, go against what what other people think. And, like, yeah. And how can people watch the video if they want to watch it? www.thebunch.tv find it right there plug in it's uh 10.99 to buy it and it's 8.99 to rent it and you can also buy it as a christmas gift so if this drops before christmas you know you have a good christmas gift and it's a 20 minute long video yeah with the crazy experience yeah, it was fun. It was funny. Did you hear the when we when we watched it in uh, Kiruna? Because we like there was a screening in Kiruna like this fall, and we were just like, it was kind of a we didn't really know when it was gonna play. No one knew, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, it just starts playing, and it was like this crazy sound system, like brand new venue, like blasting sound. <laughs> And I was like standing on the middle. It felt like I was standing alone in the middle of a dance floor, just like watching the movie. And I was like, whoa. That was like the fifth time I saw it. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. And then uh, after I watched it, like uh, your sister comes up and she's like, looks at me and Magnus and Ulrich. And she's like, it kind of looks like you guys are your, your own biggest fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that tells a lot about the bunch. And, uh, like, we are. 
Yeah, I mean, you, I, I have didn't to make be. The film. You didn't make the film. Like, there were so many people in it that made the film. So, like, you're actually, like, so impressed when you're watching it. And I think that's yeah. really a really cool thing. Yeah. It's definitely crazy that we, that Jens was able, and we were able to kind of do the vision that he set out to do. Because I was like, in the beginning, I was like, sounds great. No, I was like, just sounds great. Like, let's do it. But when it all kind of came together, you realized how sketchy of a vision this was. Like, <laughs> like you know, to to kind of, it's it's touching upon such big topics and and it's telling this very deep story and it has some different layers of deep stories in there. Um, and that too is like something that I want to say something about real quick. Like, you see a lot of things where people like Pavement will say using the best camera, crazy effects, whatnot, but what is it saying? Like in ski films, this film is focused around like it's, it's, it's saying something, it's talking to you, it's talking to like some deep parts of you. Mm. And I think that's, I mean, Jens is at, in his cabin, like alone in the mountains thinking about, you know, huge questions like why does mankind exist? Like what's the reason of life? you know what's out there in the universe like these kind of really interesting big topics and and he has skiing as an outlet uh, to, to kind of be able to create this this film and uh, and and i mean skiing is is a crazy part of evolution it's like insane that we're here doing what we're doing uh, so it's kind of all kind of works but it's just kind of i'm just kind of impressed that it 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 worked and i've had you know so many people come up to me saying like this is the best movie experience i have ever had uh or this is the best ski film experience i've ever had um on these screenings and stuff like that so and it's also it's it's people it's like all different ages as well uh it really when you stand there you you i mean i think it's a water splitter as well like some people that are core ski fans probably don't like it I saw you scrolling through new scooters last night before I went to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone was offended that there was a fish in the film, and it's it's really funny because Why the fish? yeah, like Again. that's a it's it's been a classic within like a, a guy commented on Far Out like why the fish? The, we love the film, but why the fish? And that kind of became refer referring to the fish eye. Okay, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, the first time that that quote was made was referring to the fish eye. Okay, Why the I fish? thought I thought there was the fish in the film that he was referring to at all always, but it's probably the fish eye then. Uh, <laughs> but now there's but actually a fish in the movie. Uh, exactly, <laughs> but there was a fish in Far Out as well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, Hackle has to leave. Yeah, my train leaves in ten minutes. What else? We oh, watch it. How do we finish this? Basically, go go watch that film. Uh, keep an open mind. Try to maybe figure out what's what's what we're saying with this film. Uh, like just I just have one thing to say. You just like black out the room and make sure you have yeah sound. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry too much about the screen. If you have your computer, that's amazing. But like, make sure you have good sound. That's and a completely black room. Yeah. Definitely. So this episode, or definitely, no. But how am I gonna end this? Definitely go check it out, thebunch.tv. Everyone put in so much work and energy to make it happen. It's a masterpiece. You definitely want to check it out. 
we're going to be having these guys back. There's too many stories to tell in just an hour. It was very ambitious of us. But uh, thank you for listening to this and watching this episode of the and Cashman Report. Last thing I have to say is major shout out to Aldrich Junghager for uh, also being a huge part of making that film reality. See you next time. Shout out to Hackle for putting on the freaking passion report. The passion report. Yeah. Bringing you the freaking behind the scenes of skiing, introducing the stories. So made a shout out to Alex Hackle Network and the passion mother freaking report.